Welcome to Our True Colors, hosted by Shauna Gann. Join her as she explores the challenges of being a racial riddle, an ethnic enigma, and a cultural conundrum. Let's dive in. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Our True Colors. This is a really great episode because it's been a while, but I am thrilled to welcome back co-host for season four, Yolandi. She is here. What's up, Yolandi? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Got to catch us up. It's been a minute. It has been many minutes. Many minutes. Many minutes. Yes. I am all tangled up raising this tiny little human who y'all can't see is currently asleep on my shoulder. And I'm grateful she's got her pacifier because she would be drooling all over me. <laughs> she's so gross. Because she's just a little one. <laughs> yeah. she's, she will be uh, three months this Friday. Actually. Oh, my goodness. And we're already seeing signs of teething, which fun. Wow. Yeah. And she's growing like a weed. She's, like I said, she'll be three months, but uh, she's wearing like almost nine month size clothes already. She's so freaking tall. Oh. Yeah. And heavy. So that's her. She's she's occupying the majority of my time. And then trying to get back to business and like figuring out a schedule and feeling like, you know, even do I have a business or am I just <laughs> am I just a, a human milk bag? <laughs> moms are moms are so many things. And you know, we do try to do a lot, even when we do have little ones. Um, and sometimes that's okay. And sometimes we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace and just do what we can and be okay with, you know, how we do things. But uh, I definitely need to practice more of that in giving myself <laughs> grace because I am so hard on myself. I'm like, all I did today was feed her and write one sentence in a thing. And I'm like, you know what? Like, that's kind of a big deal, feeding another yeah. human. And that's a lot. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. So I just have to remind myself, like, even if it doesn't feel like you did much, you you did a lot. You kept her alive for another day. So, <laughs> Wow. She's yeah. a sweetheart. But welcome back. Those of you who are just joining us, maybe for the first time, Yolandi started the season with us, but also needed to take some time to be with her little one. But I am so happy that she is back as we're actually getting ready to close the season. I can't even believe how the time has flown, but glad yeah. to have you again. It's so good to be back. Yes. And right before the holidays, I am pleased that we got to catch up for that. And then, you know, on top of all those things that I said I already have going on, <laughs> I thought, hey, let's take a part in a play. <laughs> and uh, that sounds like you. That that sounds yeah, like something yeah. you would do. <laughs> I didn't have enough to do, so. Of course not. Let's throw rehearsals in there. So tell us about your show. What is your play? This play is called By the Way, Meet Vera Stark by Lynn Nottage. And let me just read the uh, description off the back here because it'll sum it up better than I could. Okay. This comedy by Lynn Nottage draws on the screwball films of the 1930s to take a funny and irreverent look at racial stereotypes in Hollywood. By the way, Meet Vera Stark is a 70-year journey through the life of Vera Stark, a headstrong African-American maid and budding actress, and her tangled relationship with her boss, a white Hollywood star, desperately grasping to hold on to her career. 
When circumstances collide and both women land roles in the same Southern epic, the story behind the cameras leaves Vera with a surprising and controversial legacy scholars will debate for years to come. Okay. Yeah. So a comedy. It is a comedy. It's written in a comedic light. Uh And it's done in a way that if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss all the good stuff, all the real issues that it touches on in there. And there's so much. Oh, there's so much. So I have some questions about it, but tell us first a little bit about your role. So my role is one of Anna Mae Simpkins. She is Vera's roommate. And they have also have another roommate. So there's three of them that live together. And Anna Mae masquerades as a Brazilian woman, Anna Maria, to get a role in this movie. She's a bit of a loose one. They specifically say she's been out every night this week in the play. <laughs> but she's always, quote, shaking her sassy behind around the director's lounge. And she's literally doing everything she can to get into the movies, um, but not as a a very light-skinned Black woman because she passes as a Brazilian woman. She does it, like I said, as a Brazilian woman uh, under the pseudonym Anna Marie, I think Fernandez is the last name she gives. I see. And then in the second half, I play a scholar, poet, Black lesbian, and I have some very choice words to say on stage. Choice words. Yeah, like the N-word. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Um, I am extremely nervous for that line because I know as soon as I say it, the entire audience, which the that auditorium seats a little over 300 people, and there are six shows. So assuming we sold out, you know, that's a lot of people that I'm going to have to say the N-word in front of. And as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I know there's going to be that collective. (gasps) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So like, I actually like wrote some things down because I'm like, all this stuff is coming up for me. Like, first of all, if it's okay, if we could kind of break it down a little bit. Let's break it down. There seems to be like these layers, especially when I'm thinking about identity, right? So Y'all go back and listen to the Meet Yolandi episode and the earlier episodes of the season so you can get a better idea of Yolandi because this is why I'm like, ooh, there's layers. So you are a multiracial woman. Yes. I am half Jamaican, half Polish or or white, Northern European, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Playing the part of a light-skinned Black woman who is playing the part in a deceptive way. Mm Mm-hmm of a Brazilian in order to gain access to a space in this case, a movie. Did I get it right? Correct. Wow. What comes up for you as you think about identity and these roles and also the premise of the play? I just want to say, I'm a little bit trying to wrap my head around these identities and stereotypes being presented in a comedic way. So I'll come back to that, but I just wonder like, what sort of comes up for you is like metacognitively as you think about this? It's um it's a little cringy at times and also a little too like on the nose. So the fact that my character is so self-aware that she is being deceptive and that like she knows it's wrong, but like 
a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do because, you know, bills need to be paid, families need to be fed, and, you know, she's not going to let any white man keep her out of somewhere that she belongs as far as she's concerned, even if she has to do it under false pretenses. I'm still learning lines. We're in like the first week of rehearsals. So yeah, I'm trying to like get it in there. But I even have a line where I say something to the effect of some women dye their hair blonde and the rest of us have to get a bit more creative. And like basically, so what? Like, so what if I am pretending to be something I'm not, if it gets me what I want and it's not hurting anybody? Oof. There's so much of a history there. And I think people would argue whether it's hurting somebody or not. You know, I think about things like colorism or even like privilege, right? We talk often on the show about different sort of privileges or advantages that people have. Usually it's in the context of being a white person. But I have also talked about the light privilege that people can have. Yeah. It is very clear from the things that the other characters say about her that she has that privilege. There's another line in there where one of the roommates says something about her straight hair and how all the other guys are chasing her around and she's ignoring them for these white dudes so she can get into the movies. And like, you know, how many times have people even now had to pretend to be something that they're not to be more accepted where they're at. And, you know, like, oh, we, yeah. like we've talked about with the, you know, code switching and, and covering, co- covering. And, yeah. So, yeah. Also, like in this case, it seems to be truly leaning into that proximity to whiteness to access those spaces. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. So back to this idea about comedy, one of the things that you said struck me, you said it's presented in such a way that the audience could kind of miss the good stuff. And I take it to mean the good stuff is the underlying sort of satire associated with these identity stereotypes that are being presented, right? You said it's kind of poking fun at this in a way. And I wonder, like, as I consider where we are in the world, but specifically in the U.S., where we're at a time right now where there's a lot of brazenness, a lot of boldness when it comes to white supremacy culture, white supremacist ideals, and people truly longing for the days where there was a lot less equity, even though we still now have a long way to go. I don't know. I I wonder, because I don't know the show. I don't know the show, right? But I'm going to look it up, actually, because I can't be there to see it, you know, when you perform, but I'm totally going to look this up. Because one thing that I'm thinking about is like, if it's presented in a way that people miss the good stuff, at least in the first, could that act. be problematic? Or yeah, in in the the first act, it is very much like uh, how did they put it, screwball kind of you know comedy. So there's a party scene where, as I'm pretending to be this Brazilian woman, I show up to the party with the director and the studio head at Vera's boss's home. So Vera's working for her boss at this party. The studio head and the director shows up and the director has on his arm his date, who is me pretending to be this Brazilian woman. Anna May is his roommate. Yeah. Okay. So Vera knows like, oh, you're not who you say you are. So she's got to keep her mouth shut and pretend she doesn't know her. And uh, there at one point, all of the white people have left the room because the two men get into an argument. And so they storm out and her boss follows them trying to like 
calm things down and smooth it over because she really needs this movie to happen. Now all the white people are gone and it's just me and Vera and our other roommate and we're all poking fun at each other. So right before this happens, Vera starts putting on a show with a Southern accent because she wants a part in this movie. There's a part for the lead's attendant, but it's a speaking role and she's got lots of lines. And they point this out a little bit earlier in the play before we get to the party. So Vera starts yucking it up, you know, trying to really get his attention, like, you know, um, because he's saying he doesn't want actors. He wants real people that have worn the hundred years of oppression on their back and you can see it in their face. He's like, I don't want somebody acting. He's like, I want somebody who really feels this. And so, of course, she steps in and she's like, would you like another drink, sir? Yes, sir. Oh, I'm from down by the Mississippi Delta and, you know, my pappy and, you know, putting on all these, this accent and this affectation, which is absolutely not who she is, but she also does it to get apart. So when all of these people leave the room, you now have Vera, who's pretended to be a Southern black woman who she's not. She's from, I think, New York. Myself, who's pretending to be a Brazilian woman. And then our roommate, who is just kind of, you know, hanging around in the background and not trying to cause too much trouble. And so now we start poking fun at each other when it's just the three of us. And then the chauffeur gets brought in because he's been trying to date Vera and he can't find her. She's uh, purposefully elusive. And then he comes in. I say something to him and he's like, wait, what happened to your accent? So then she's like, what are you going to tell on me? And he's like, I knew it. I knew something was up. Underneath all of that is really in the way that they're making fun of each other, more stereotyping. Yeah. And then as soon as all of the the white people come back into the room, they have to put these characters back on. these masks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But it's done in such a a way where it's kept fast-paced that all you can do is laugh at what they're doing in the moment, you know, because you know – like the truth behind the scenes. I'm not really Brazilian. And so as soon as they leave and I drop the accent, when they come back in and I put the accent on, you're like, oh, she's got the accent again. That's funny. Um, Without, like I said, if you're not paying attention, realizing like that is, that's a real uh, potentially dangerous situation. If she were to get caught, it could turn from a comedy to a drama real quick. Yeah. Not again, not to mention the underlying problem, the fact that people are feeling this need to be somebody else. Right. To gain access. And right. And and the stereotyping that comes about because of that. So you said later on, it's a little bit more obvious. Can you tell us about that part? Like what happens later? Do, mostly here, I'm going to be real, Yolandi. I'm like, does the audience walk away understanding the true social implications of this? Yes, I think they will, especially once the second act goes down, because the second act switches between colloquium uh, in the early 2000s or late 90s, where they're reviewing Vera Stark's career, and they're talking about this movie um, that got made, which they were all trying to get into in the first act. You find out in the Uh second act that they all got parts. It opens, um, which is another fun piece. We have to actually shoot a movie to play during a play. Oh, that's fun. As an aside. (laughs) As an aside, yes. So they open the second act with a clip of this movie, and then it goes into this colloquium where we're discussing Vera's career and the choices that she made and the characters. 
that she took. And there's a lot of talk about how her choices in characters were detrimental to the Black community because she continuously played slaves. And another one points out that she did what she had to do, but she still made so many advancements that like, we couldn't have a lot of Black actors in Hollywood had she not done what she did. And so they're going back and forth, but they're very obvious about the fact that she made some questionable choices. But if basically, if you were in the same position, what choices would you have made? And would you have made different choices? And probably not. Interesting. So in the second act, we cut back and forth between this colloquium. (laughs) Hi. Hi, little baby. (laughs) And a 70s talk show where it's Vera's last interview. And her former boss shows up. Uh, as a surprise. And they get into it. The two of them get into it on this talk show. But at one point in this talk show, the her and her former boss are arguing and her boss says, you don't know what it was like for me. And Vera quips back at her, no, you don't know what it was like for me. Actually, I might have that reversed. I think Vera says it first. And then her boss comes back at her like, no, you don't know what it was like for me, like diminishing the fact that Vera had to work so hard and do things that she wasn't proud of to get as, the a, same, as a black woman. Yes. To get the same treatment that her boss had got. And her boss only got it because she was, you know, blonde and white. And all she had to do was bat her big blue eyes, you know, directors as uh, America's little sweetie pie, they call her. And she would get a role. So it gets pretty heated. And and Vera is very clear about the fact that throughout the years, no matter what roles she takes on and what movies she makes, everyone wants to interview her and talk about our first movie that she was in where she played this slave girl, Tilly. And she even says, in the role, Tilly was chained to her missus, and now I'm chained to Tilly. And so she never really escapes this original role the thing that she wanted so badly now she can't get rid of it pigeonholed yes uh, because of that role you know that concept is so interesting will smith is making a movie called emancipation and i read that he has been offered other roles that are in movies about slavery the enslavement of black folks in america and he refused because it was so trauma laden but he if I remember right, if I understand right, he was okay to do this movie because it has more of a message of liberation than the oppression that's often portrayed. And, you know, so many times, like people from marginalized communities want to be seen as people, as just human without being associated with a specific identity or something about their identity, like being able to be a Black person in a role that has nothing to do with you being Black. You know, you and I, we talked about this a little bit in our mini-sode where we talked about The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Right? Why does Ariel have to be this white mermaid, right? Right. Like, is there something specific about her identity? And, And people argued about it because that's just what they anchored themselves to. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason for it. And so it's interesting that this is an, a concept that comes up in your play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a fish girl, and it's fake. Like it's not real, uh, for starters. Let's 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 go back to that. It's well, not real. There, there's that part. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but in musicals and plays where it's more realistic, shall we say, or like family based, 
it's hard for a director to wrap their head around casting someone like me in a role because I don't look like everybody else. And so to say like, oh, that's the sister, you know, people are like, what do you mean that's her sister? She doesn't look anything like her. They can't suspend belief. They can't suspend belief long enough to accept the fact that I would be the sister or I could. And never mind that. Yeah. Yeah. And never mind that in real life, siblings don't always look the same. Right. Right. Families are comprised of so many different identities, even within the family. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. The only exception where I've ever been cast as um, like a family member was in a dance version of Alice in Wonderland. And I was the mother uh, of Alice where we had to like we found her at the end and it was very clear who I was. Um, Yeah. But. I was the odd skin tone out and nobody batted an eyelash at it. So it was no, like, cause why, why would they? Cause you know who the character, well, I, I mean, my, my son was quite blonde when he was little. And so that it is not far fetched that a mother can look a little bit different, different than their child. I, I felt wow. like that was just like a proof of concept, I guess, if you will, that yeah. it can be done and it should be done more often. Yeah. I mean, I think we're getting there. When is it scheduled to open? In the beginning of February. Okay. Ironically, or probably on purpose. Because of Black History Month? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, I don't know. As a cast, did you all talk about that? Um, we haven't yet, but I almost guarantee that that was the choice. I feel like with a show like this that is addressing stereotypes using a heavy language, like the N-word. Yeah. And, and there's lots of cursing throughout also like i'm expecting some people to walk out of the theater oh well i don't know i there's some uh pretty edgy shows out there but i guess depending upon a community and the readiness to address or be open to some of these issues you know could definitely play a part into the reception but i'm just surprised y'all didn't lead with a conversation like hey let's break down this story and talk about what comes up for you as you think about not only the story, but the roles you're playing and who you are playing these roles. Um, if y'all have that conversation, I, I'd love to know how it goes. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Or that would be very interesting. Yeah. I, I don't anticipate that conversation, um, seeing as the directorial team is white. How did they choose this play? Uh, there's a whole committee that chooses the plays for each season. Um, that's how it works at this theater. And I wasn't in the room, obviously, when it was chosen. Yeah. But I'll just say I have some ideas as to how that conversation went down. You're not going to spill it? I'm not going to spill it. Dang. <laughs> Dang. Wow. Well, good luck as you prepare and break a leg when you get up there to to uh, perform and I'd love to know how it turns out for you. Yeah. I will definitely keep you in the loop. Thank you. Well, listen, it's been so good to just talk with you again. And I know y'all can't see, but this little one is just such a sweetheart. Hi, Olivia. So welcome back again, Yolandi. And for the rest of y'all listening, I know we're heading towards the end of the season, but stay tuned 
because as has been the True Colors way, we're going to finish with our mixtape and come back and talk about what we've learned this season, our highlights and things that have been important to us that have stood out to us. So stay tuned for that. Don't miss that. In the meantime, Yolandi, I know you're getting back into the swing of things, but just remind folks like where they can find you and what you'll be up to aside from your play. Aside from the play, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Hamilton Styling. Um, You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I think it's just my name there, Yolandi Hamilton. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Hamilton Styling. You can find me any of those three places and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Sweet. All right. Well, you take care and I'll be uh, talking to you soon. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Our True Colors.